ministry and nursery area, and we're prepared to get in the word of the Lord this morning. Hallelujah. While we're preparing, you can go ahead and turn your Bibles to Proverbs chapter number 6. We're going to get ready to get into this thing. Hallelujah. How many of you are anticipating this morning? You know, this is one of those, uh, those things that is quite exciting. Uh, but at the same time, you're a little bit apprehensive because whenever you say the word sex, that usually raise some eyebrows, amen? amen. But we're going to talk about it this morning because God is the one that created it. We're going to talk about it from the perspective of what God wants us to know. So uh, if you're there, uh, we'll read together. Proverbs chapter number six. And I'm going to get there here in a second. I wanted to read it. Let's start reading in verse number, verse number 20, and it reads, My son, keep your father's command, and do not forsake the law of your mother. Bind them continually upon your heart, tie them around your neck, and when you roam, they will lead you, and when you sleep, they will keep you, and when you awake, they will speak with you. For the commandment is a lamp, and the law a light. Reproofs of instructions are the way of life to keep you from the evil woman, from the flattering tongue of a seductress. Do not lust after her beauty in your heart, nor let her allure you with her eyelids. For by means of a harlot, a man is reduced to a crust of bread and an adulteress will prey upon his precious life. Can a man take fire to his bosom and his clothes and not be burned? Can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be seared? So is he who goes into his neighbor's wife. Whoever touches her shall not be innocent. Verse number 32. Whoever commits adultery with a woman lacks understanding. And he who does so destroys his own soul. Wounds and a dishonor he will get, and his reproach will not be wiped away. Father, I thank you for this moment. Father, I thank you for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, I thank you for the word this morning, Lord. I, I thank you that you've chosen to use this vessel of clay, Lord God, to expound the word of the Lord. I pray this morning, Father God, that I would decrease and that you would increase, that the words that come out of my mouth will be inspired from the throne of God. All of you, Father, and none of me, be magnified, Lord, as we move forward and we look into the riches of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week, we talked about effective communication in our marriage, and this week, we're going to be dealing with sexual intimacy in marriage. Um, if you want to subtitle it, it's called Sex by the Book. Uh, that's what we're going to be talking this morning about, sex about the book. Next week, we're going to go even a step further, and we're going to talk about how to keep the romance, the flame in your relationship so that it never gets old. Hallelujah. It never gets old. You know, that's a possibility that it can never get old. You just got to work at it. How many know that sex is everywhere? Is that a revelation to you? <laughs> if you're sitting at home on a computer, and you, let's say that you're just shopping, and you want to go to eBay and buy a desk or a bed or a table, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, there's an image that pops up. Bloom, bloom. It's some pretty young woman or some custom-made, built man that's sitting there saying, click on me. Trying, and before you know it, you're sitting there like, you know, and you're having to battle, having to be, having been tempted to click onto something when your whole intention was just to go shopping. Say that you're, you're home watching TV. 
I just want to watch a football game. <laughs> Man, they use sex to sell cars, toothpaste, <laughs> hair product. You know, a lot of time I watch some of these commercials, I'm like, what does that person have to do with that? You know? What does Campbell's Soup have to do with that woman that's halfway dressed on my screen? What is that all about? Well, see, well, I walk outside the door of my house, and you get no too, don't get too far down the road before all of a sudden you see some lady or some man, and the woman, she's dressed in tight shorts and tight skirts, and all of a sudden, you know, there it is, right before you all over again. You're having to deal with the lure of temptation. Oh, well, I said, I know a safe place we could possibly go. Let's go to the grocery store. I just want to buy something to eat, you know? Let's go to Walmart, stand in the line. And there it is, some book, some magazine, 25 ways to keep your lover interested. I'm like, man, I mean, how many ways, you know? You know, it's always something about, you know, how that you can improve your sex life. Yeah. And, I mean, it's all over every book. It's just, it's like, man, I can't even stand in the line just to buy myself something to eat. Well, I'm going to get in my car and go to work. And if you live in the city, public transportation sometimes. How I many know there's some of the images on the bus sometimes? That almost kills you. It's like, here it is again, somebody half-dressed, trying to tempt you. Oh, I know what I'll do. I'll go to movies. In fact, I'm going to go to a PG movie. That'll do it. Go to a PG movie where I don't have to worry about all these images. I can just enjoy the movie. But you forgot all about the trailers, the coming attractions. <laughs> and it gets you all over again. The point is, sex is everywhere. You can't go too far in our, in our culture, in our society today. We live in a sex-crazed society. The problem is that the images and the message that we're getting is not consistent with what God says. How many of you know Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie, for an example? Everybody knows them as a what? Couple. But do you not know that they're not married? Nobody ever thinks about that because they glorify that which God says don't do. They glorify it. So the images and the messages that we come, that, that we seem to get all the time is whatever you want, whenever you want it, if it makes you feel good, just do it. The Nike commercial. Don't worry about if it hurts anybody. If it, I mean, it's all about whatever it is that I want. It's all about the pleasure and fulfilling what God has given me. One guy told me one time, man, if God wanted me to be this way, well, why did he give me all these passion? Obviously, I got this because God just want me to express myself. That's what he told me. I said, he does. But he wants you to express yourself in the context of marriage. I was watching the other day, as some of you may have watched, I was listening to the statement that was given by Tiger Woods. Anybody know me know I love to golf. Tiger Woods has always been uh, a person that I've looked up to as far as his golf game. You know, in reality, we don't know anything about these people's personal lives, really, you know. But I listened to his statement, and I thought to myself, here's a man at the pinnacle of his career. He has all the money that one could ever want. And I heard this man say, I mean, he has success, fame, reputation. How many know a good name is precious, the scripture says? Once you lose a good name, it's hard to get it back. But here, this man, I heard this man say, you know what? I felt like I was entitled. I felt like I was entitled to have whatever I want, when I wanted it, and the rules did not apply to me. And I said, oh, God. And so what did he do? He said, I, whatever it is that came, whatever I wanted, I got it because I'm Tiger Woods. And I watched the man who was broken because I guarantee you if he could, if he could go back and redo it all over again, things would be a whole lot different. 
But you see, even though we know our God can restore, we know our God can heal, but understand something. That when we violate that which God has given us in his word, there are consequences to our actions. God restores, God heals. But there's something that Tiger Woods lost that he will never be able to get back. Not in this life. Not in this life. So, sex is a beautiful thing. God created it. You know, when I grew up in church, you never talked about sex in church. I mean, people would, people would they went home and they did it. <laughs> but when you come to church, don't talk about sex in church. That's, the church is holy. Okay. If the church is holy and God created the church and God created sex, you ever heard of holy sex? See? So while families, see, we sit back in the church and we praise God, people sitting up with all kinds of addictions, all kinds of issues, and we just want to be silent on it. We don't want to talk about it. But yet we see families being destroyed, homes being ruined. And we keep our mouths shut when people are struggling in this area because we don't want to address it. This morning, we're going to talk about this thing from God's perspective. God created sex, and, let me, and I'm not ashamed to say to you this morning that it is absolutely wonderful, gorgeous, and beautiful. In fact, I tell my wife that every time we come together intimately, it's an act of worship. Because what am I doing? I'm celebrating the gift that God has given to me. You never thought about it that way, huh? It's an act of worship. Because God gave it to us. And God wants us to have a great sex life, but he wants us to do it his way. And we're going to talk about ways today that's going to improve that so that you can continue on that journey of enjoying the gift that God has given to us. How many know the great sex, great sex start with doing things God's way? Many people are hurt, wounded, emotionally having all kind of issues because of violation of God's word. Sexually transmitted diseases are at all-time high. Unwanted pregnancies and abortions. Sexual dysfunctions and shame. Because what a lot of people don't understand is there's a physical, there's an emotional connection. And when sex becomes downgraded to just some act, where, where you know, God could have designed us this way. And I was reading this last night as I was uh, continuing to meditate, and I said, thank the Lord. But God could have made sex just like reading instructions. You know, you just kind of like putting, together, putting something together, just put it together. How do you put it together? A, B, C, D. And no feeling, no passion, no emotion. Okay, you want to have a child. Okay, good. Do this, boom, 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 and, and not, not, nothing else. I mean, God could have made us just like robots, like nothing there. But he made it to be beautiful. He made it to be vibrant. He made it because it's an expression of Christ in the church. That's what marriage is. Marriage is an expression of, his, of Christ in the church. And when a man and a woman come together in holy matrimony to love each other, they're expressing in an unselfish way their love for each other and their love for God. And they're celebrating that gift. So look at 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4, verse Verses 3 and 5, we'll talk this morning a little bit. We kind of set the stage, and then we'll just move through this. I'm going to try to get you all here in good time, but I want to make sure that you're loaded, you're armed and ready, uh, and that, uh, that you'll be blessed. Hallelujah. First Thessalonians chapter number 4. We'll begin reading in verse, verses 3 and 5. For this is the will of God. Everybody say will of God. Will of God. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you want to be in the will of God? Amen. Everybody want to be in the will of God. That's the best and safest place to be. But this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality. Now, that word sexual immorality is the same word fornication. That each one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and in honor. Not in passion of lust, 
like the unbelievers who do not know God, that no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this matter, because the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also forewarned you and testified. So he says, now, this is the will of God. First of all, your sanctification. Now, watch this. We do not get our cues from the world on how sex is supposed to be done. Our cues comes from the word of God. He says, this is the will of God, your sanctification. That word sanctification means that God expects us to be separate. We're to be holy. In fact, the church is supposed to raise the standard and show people how it's really supposed to be done. But sometimes, you know, uh, uh, being sanctified sometimes is not popular when you're around your buddies. I'm just talking real this morning. It's not as popular to be sanctified around people that, you're, that, that you have befriended, that you consider to be really, really close. And, and, you know, and if we're not careful, we allow some of their way of thinking to enter our heart, and then we degrade ourselves from what the Scripture says. Sanctified means to be holy. It means to be set apart. It means to be different. The church got to be different as it relates to sex. We just can't be and do it like everybody else doing it. We have to do it according to what God's word says. Because we say we want to be in the will of God. We say we want to be blessed. By the way, anything that is, is, is operated according to its design generally functions well, doesn't it? I'll give you an example. If you buy a Mercedes, and usually any car that you buy, and I'll just use a Mercedes. I don't have one. But if anyone who have a Mercedes, you have... You have a manual, and they tell you how many miles you have to go before you get an oil change. They tell you when you're supposed to come in and do all the upkeep and all that. And generally speaking, if you do everything the manual tells you to do, you're going to operate that car at its premium value. It's going to last longer. But let's just say that you start to want to take some shortcuts here and there. That, you know what, I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to veer off a little bit here, veer off a little bit there. Then how many know you're probably going to shorten the life of that car? So it is with God as it relates to sex. When we begin to veer off and begin to say, you know what, a little bit here, a little bit there, it doesn't really matter how many know we're not operating according to God's design. And when God designs a thing, then God, when he designs it, he designs it perfectly. And when it works according to design, you can't get much better than that. Are you tracking with me this morning? Amen. All right. So he said, this is the will of God. Your sanctification. He says, number two, the second thing he says in the verse is, we are to abstain from fornication and sexual immorality. Abstain means don't do it. He also talks about fleeing immorality. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter number 6, verse 18. I want to show you. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 18. Y'all stay with me. We're going somewhere. We just kind of build a little foundation here. We're going to get into this. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 18 through 20. Watch this. Flee sexual immorality or fornication, for every sin that a man does is outside the body. But he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Mm. Or do you not know, watch this, that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Whom you have from God, and you were not, you are not your own. You don't belong to yourself. For you were brought with a price, therefore glorify God in your spirit, which are God's. So watch this. Every one of us, born again, saved, you have the Spirit of God living inside of you. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Wherever you take yourself, God goes with you. If you go to the club and get drunk, God goes with you. If you're sitting at home and you're watching pornography, God is right there with you. If you take yourself inside of a room and you get in bed with somebody that you're not supposed to get in bed with, guess who you just took with you? God, the Holy Spirit. He's right there. He's with you. And he says, now, watch this. He said, your body then is the temple of the Holy Spirit. It belongs to God. So that means it's supposed to be holy. Set apart. It's supposed to be pure. Because remember, anything that goes outside of the parameters of God, we're going to find trouble. He says, 
flee immorality. I remember the story of Potiphar's wife. You remember Joseph in the Bible? A young man who was, the Bible says he was good-looking, ready man, handsome. Potiphar's wife saw him. And, you know, she didn't even try to butter him up. You know, usually when people want to try to act up, they flirt. They she just saw the brother. And you go back and read it for yourself in Genesis. And she said, lie with me. She didn't even say, uh, hi, try to flirt. Lie with me. I mean, the sister just came up and said, I want it. I want it now. And, and the Bible says every single day. And Joseph would just say, no, can't do it, can't do it, can't do it. Now, you think his flesh wasn't tempted? Come on, we're going to talk about this this morning. Oh, his flesh was aching. I'm sure that he wanted it. Flesh is flesh. I don't care whose bones it is on. It's flesh is flesh. Joseph could have stood. Every day, the scripture says, day by day, she kept pressing him. Lie with me, brother. Lie with me. Come in, in today's uh, terminology, let's go to bed together. Come on, I want to I have sex. I want to make love to you. Come on, let's go. Come on. He said, no. Got so bad, the sister got tired. She said, okay, I'm sick and tired. She sees him and she grabs him. Lie with me. And you know what he did? He took off and beat feet. He was in the wind. Go. Ran. You may find yourself, you're tempted in the situation. You don't know what else to do. Run. The scripture says flee. You know what? Why does it say flee? Because it's hard. Because you stick around, your flesh will get yourself in trouble. You can't touch fire and not get burned. Are you tracking with me? So he said, he said to Joseph, Joseph said, I'm run. he ran. He got out of there because his flesh was probably wanting to. But his spirit man was strong enough to say, you know what? I can't do this thing and sin against God. I love how he says that. He said, I can't do this thing and sin against God. I cannot. I will not do it. Something in me want to, but I can't. See, every one of us deal with these feelings. Because in one sense, we're sexual beings. That's the way God designed us. So we have to flee. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter number 13. We're going to take it a step further. And we're going to deal with this issue. Of not only fornication. Everybody know what fornication is. It's sex outside of marriage. Look it up. You don't believe me. That's all it is. Point and simple. Sex outside of marriage. Look at this. In Hebrews chapter number 13. And it reads, marriage is honorable. I'm sorry, uh, Hebrews 13, verse 4. Can I say that? All right. Marriage, marriage is honorable among all. And the bed is undefiled. But fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. Let's read that one again. Marriage is honorable. Among everything else, and the bed is undefiled. But fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. See, the word undefiled in the Greek means that which has nothing in it that defiles. It's unpolluted and is incorruptible. Here's what he's talking about here. He says, now, marriage is honorable and is, it's undefiled. So when a man and a woman come together who are married, who love each other, who have a commitment together, who is secure in their relationship, who is not worried about whether or not my spouse has been with somebody else, compromising disease or whatever it is, all the pressures that come with that. When two people come together that love each other and they worship God, I, I want to underscore worship because I want you to think of your relationship with your wife that way. When you come together in that way, he says the marriage bed is undefiled. So what a man and a woman who is married do in the context of their bed is it's all good. Come on, say amen to me. Talk back to me. All right. Let me know you're there. He said marriage bed is undefiled. I mean, you can't corrupt the marriage bed. Can't corrupt it. You are free to enjoy the pleasures of your wife or of your husband. You know, I like to, well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to keep on going. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter number five. The Holy Spirit said, you better not, so I'm not going to go there. Hallelujah. I'm going to obey what the Holy Spirit says. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, I hear your voice. 
Somebody said the marriage bed is undefiled. Come on, so you can, you can be creative, you can enjoy your spouse, have a good time in the Lord, hallelujah. But look at Proverbs chapter number 5, we'll start reading in verse number 15. Are you there? Say amen. All right, here we go. <laughs> now, some of y'all may have not known this is in the Bible, but I want to I start by saying this is Bible. All right, this ain't passing, I'm going to read to you what this says, or you can read it on the screen. Watch this. Drink water from your own cistern. Right? Drink water from your own, that which you own, that which belongs to you. Oh, come on, hallelujah. And running water from your own well, glory to God. Uh-huh. Should your fountains be dispersed abroad, streams of waters in the street, let them be only your own and not strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife, not the girlfriend, not the boyfriend, not the buddy, not the person I love, but the what? Wife, or it could be husband, this is transgender, of your youth. Watch this. As a loving deer and a graceful doe, watch this, let her breast satisfy you at all times and always be enraptured with her love. For why should you, my son, be enraptured by an immoral woman and be embraced in the arms of a seductress? Watch this, verse 23. For the eyes, or the, for the ways of men are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all of his path. So God is giving the parameters. He's saying the marriage bed then is undefiled. But he goes a step further. He says, don't be spreading yourself outside of the context of marriage. He says, why would you do that? He says, why would you venture out when you know that I'm watching everything that you're doing? You know, I, I tried to get that little thing, uh, uh, and, and, and I, I waited too late. Y'all seen that little uh, Geico commercial where they got the little, the, you know, they got the little uh, the dollar bills with the little eyes on it? Y'all know what I'm talking about? You know, so they, they showed, I think it's one commercial where a lady is sitting at the park, and she's just kind of sitting there, and she just feel like somebody's watching her. She just keep going. And, you know, she's like, what's some? And then she sees a little eyes there. It's like, that's how God is. He says, no matter where you are, what you're doing, he's always watching you. Now, why is God watching you? Is he watching you because he He's a killjoy, and he don't want you to have a great time. No. God watches over you to bless you. He watches over you to care for you. He watches over you so that you can have the best life. Jesus said, I came that you might have a life and that you might have it abundantly. That word abundantly means to the full and overflowing. But how do we know? We got to do it God's way. We can't do it the world's way and expect the blessing of God, right? We can't expect to do things the way the world. And like I said, everything about the world, it says completely opposite of what God's word says as it relates to sex. Well, you know, and, and young people, listen to me. Everything in your life as it relates, and I say your life, school life, everybody else is doing it. There's nothing wrong with it. I mean, I care about the person. See, you're challenged with this idea of whether or not you're going to obey what God's word says. Or you're going to simply ignore it. And I mean, you cannot disobey the word of God and expect to be blessed. There has to be a coming together where I say, okay, God, I want to do it exactly like you said do it. There's a part of me that don't want to. I know it's hard, but I know that's where the blessing is. I know if I want to have great sex, I got to do it the way God wants me to do it. I got to do it the way God. It's great lovemaking is in the context when people love faithfully, unconditionally, and unselfishly. When two people come together in a marital relationship where there's security, 
Well, I know you're faithful. I know you love me. I know you're not going anywhere. It's just you and me forever. I mean, know that that makes for a great atmosphere for sex. God's way. Oh, hallelujah. I ain't getting a whole lot of amen, but I'm going to keep preaching in now. <laughs> glory to God. How the glory to God. We, talk, we said something a moment about the consequences. You remember David? You remember David, right? Second Samuel chapter number 12. David is a man who experienced the same things that we experienced, right? I mean, the Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. So David was a man that loved God. For anybody that ever made any mistakes, understand that God is a God that restores. Here's a man that loved God with all of his heart. But one day, in one weak moment, because it doesn't take a whole lot to disrupt the sexual intimacy between you and your spouse. David says he sees this woman Bathsheba. She, he sees her taking a bath, and he looks at her, and he says, ooh, ooh, I, I got to have that. She looks good. He sends over his servant. When you're king, you can do that. So you think. He sends over his servant. Says, Look, that one right there. Bring her to me. David liked her so much, he had sex with her. She got pregnant. Somebody say, oh, oh. Got in trouble. What am I going to do now? So he summoned for Uriah the Hittite, who was her husband, who was in the military, on the battlefield, fighting for the country. Bring him all the way. Bring him here and try to set him up because he had been gone in those days, and they would go to war. They would go for six months. They'd go for a year. They'd just be gone. He said, bring him over here. And, and he brought him all the way home. He said, man, go ahead, go ahead. Sleep with your wife so it can look like the, the thing that is in her is really yours. Boy, <laughs> David, what's happening? What happened to you, brother? Every time I read that passage, I'm like, David, everything up to this point, I get a little bit befuddled. What happened here, David? Where did this come from? David, you're right, a Hittite came back. He comes back home. He says, uh, um, I can't do that. I, you know, I, I can't sleep with my wife and enjoy the pleasures of my wife. Because David told him, said, Look, go home, spend some time with your wife. Go home. He wouldn't go home. He stayed outside the king's gate. So I ain't going home. I don't want to do my, my boys, they're out there. They're fighting. And I'm not going to go home and be with my wife. No, I'm not going to do that. He said, I ain't going to. And then David tried to get him drunk. Now, I mean, you know, he's really going after this thing. David's trying to set this brother up. A man after God's own what? Heart. He, look at how he's acting. See, I'm warning you because this thing is dangerous. So David, so David says, okay, enough is enough. Called the commander, Joab, said, look, put him on the front lines and have him killed. David had him killed. David then took Bathsheba, his wife, brought her in, and he, she became his wife. Now, David thought perhaps that he had gotten away with it. I mean, no, you ain't never getting away with anything with God. The scripture says, be sure your sins will find you what? Out. What you think you're hiding, you're not hiding. At some point, it's going to show up. And at some point, it shows up at the most inopportune times when it comes. <laughs> David probably thinking nobody saw this. I mean, how many... Believers are sometimes find themselves in a situation that well, nobody sees. I mean, I, I can get away with this. Nobody knows about it. I can keep it quiet. Uh, it doesn't work that, that, not that way in the kingdom. Mm -mm. It may be a year. It may be a month. It may be a week. It may be 10 years. But at some point, sin loves to show up because the Bible says the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The devil loves setting people up so he can knock them down. He wants you to get so high that you think that nothing can touch me. I'm above it all. I'm above it all. You can't touch this, as MC Hammer used to say. Back in the day, for y'all young people, you may not know who MC Hammer is. I used to love me some MC Hammer. Okay, okay, I can't stop that. But sometimes the thought table was thinking, you can't touch this. You can't touch it. And the man of God comes up, the prophet. <laughs> said, David, said, uh, the Lord was speaking to me, brother. You've done something terrible. He said, 
God, I ain't done nothing, man. What are you talking about? <laughs> what are you talking about, man? I'm, I'm good, man. I'm the king. I mean, I love the Lord. You see me worshiping. You see me going to church, loving God. What are you talking about? Or I said, David, you're the man. He started giving some story about sheep. Wasn't even talking about Bathsheba. Just started talking about sheep. And David broke down. So David says, well, first he said, whoever that person is that took somebody else's sheep, go, that's wrong. Go, judge them. Don't take that little man's sheep like that. That's wrong. And Nathan looked at him and said, David, you're the man who took somebody else's little sheep. You took somebody else's wife. Watch, look, look at 2 Samuel chapter number 12. If you want to look at it on the screen, you can. Look at, look at verse number 10. This is a judgment. This is what David got. Watch this. He says, now therefore, in uh, 2 Samuel chapter number 12, 10, he says, now, now therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me. Now, why did God say that to David? You despise me. Because David disobeyed his word. His, God's word wasn't elevated in his life. And have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, behold, I will raise up adversary against you from your own house. And I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor. And he shall lie with your wives in the sight of this son. For you did it secretly, but I will do this thing before all of Israel and the son. So David said to Nathan, I've sinned against the Lord. So that's why, that's why, you see, this is why David was a man after God's own heart. David didn't try to hide his stuff. Well, well. When he was confronted with it, when he was convicted by the Holy Spirit, because he did try to hide this stuff with Bathsheba. But when he got convicted by the Holy Spirit, David would just quickly say, I'm the man. I blew it. I'm guilty of this. I've sinned against the Lord, he said. And Nathan said to David, the Lord has also put away your sin, and you shall not die. Because back in those days, if you committed adultery, you died. They would take you out with a bunch of big old rocks, and they would stone you to death. That was the law. How many know that God extended grace to David? How many of you love the fact that God is a God of grace? I know I need it. How about you? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Verse 14. However, because by this deed you have given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. Because you ruined, you ruined the testimony that I built in your life. The child also who is born to you shall surely die. And Nathan departed to his house. He was given grace. Thank God for his grace. But there was a penalty that he had to pay. Anytime we step outside of the bounds of holy matrimony, there's a penalty that has to be paid. Your sin will find you out. Let's turn to Matthew chapter number five. Matthew chapter number five. Verse number 27 and 30. Matthew chapter 5. Now, this is going to segue perfectly into next week because we're going to talk about some specific things as it relates to romance. Keeping the flame, but we're laying the foundation for next week. Look at Matthew chapter number 5, verses 27 and 30. Watch this. Are you there? I, I think I need to get there real quick. Okay. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So the Pharisees had this mindset. So a lot of people do today. I, heard, I, I forget how the phraseology went, but somebody told me once, it's okay to, to, to shop as long as I don't buy. You know, something along those lines. It's okay for me to fantasize. and Lust means to have something that is, has been forbidden by God. That's what lust is. It's a forbidden thing. Something that God says, don't put your hand on it. You can't have it. It doesn't belong to you. Covetousness, don't do it. It's not yours. Don't do it. That's what lust is. They thought, perhaps a lot of people think, that you know, as long as I didn't do the act, it's okay. It's okay for me to just imagine how many of you have ever heard of the phrase, and it's becoming more and more prevalent in our society today? How many of you have ever heard of the phrase emotional adultery? 
emotional adultery. I've seen it at work. I've seen, I know people that are engaged in it, and it's a dangerous thing. Emotional adultery is when two people, they want to be together, they fantasize being together, and the only thing that hasn't happened is the act itself. But everything else leads to it. They flirt, they do all the other things, and there's this thing that is feeding this lust. Jesus said, you have already crossed the line. To flirt with it, to toy, you know, going back to what it says in Proverbs 6.27, can a man touch fire and not be burned? This thing is so strong that if we're going to have holy relationships, if we're going to be sexually pure, if our marriages are going to have the kind of a fulfillment that God wants us to have, we have to guard all these areas of our life. We can't let any of these outside interferences come into the bed. Are you tracking with me? See, that's the danger of pornography. Because you see that, and then you want to impose it. You bring it to bed with you in your relationship. And how many know that most of the time, you ain't going to look like the person or your spouse, you or your spouse, probably ain't going to look like what you're seeing on TV. And then if it don't look that way, then all of a sudden, guess what happens? You're not as interested because you have allowed your mind to be permeated with adultery, lust in your heart. Are you with me? So now it's affecting your ability to be able to have a great sex life with your spouse when it's not all about just the act itself. Some of the most miserable people, and I read uh, when I was doing a study uh, preparing for this message, some of the most miserable people are porn stars. Whatever they do on the screen, that ain't what's really going on behind the scenes. They can't have a good relationship. They can't have a good uh, 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 sexual relationship with with their spouse, even if they ever, you know, because some of them at some point they may stop and get married. They're struggling with it because sex was degraded to just a physical act, just something to do to make me feel good. And it's not about that. It's about two people that love each other, that gives to each other. Well, my goal is to fulfill the needs of my spouse. And vice versa. And when two people love each other, when their sole purpose is, I want to express to you my love. You know, there's no unfaithfulness. I'm not emotionally involved with anybody. I'm not, I'm not watching, bringing anything from the outside into this bed. This is a holy bed. This is, this is a holy time. This is a holy moment. This is a time where we have together. There's security. There's peace in this. This is going to be great because I'm here to love you. And I'm here to give myself completely and totally to you. When two people are thinking that way, you cannot tell me the sex ain't going to be great. It will cover, it's going to be awesome the way God intended it to be. Because it's more than just a physical act. It's a spiritual connection. Well, you know, I need to try before I buy. Why? Where did that come from? Let me try it first. It's if you love the person, if you want to be with that person, if God called you to be with that person, then it's about a spiritual connection. It's not about the physical act. Because if my, if my emotions are intact the way they should be, then it'll take care of everything else. Because I love you. I want to be with you. And I'm here to express my love to you. And in expressing that love, it's reciprocal. It comes back. And sex is great the way God intended it to be. But one other thing before I close. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter number 7. <laughs> I don't want to say I'm picking on nobody because I'm not. But I'm going to pick on the ladies just a little bit here. For fun. Can I do that just for fun? I'm just going to have a little fun. Is that okay, ladies? I want y'all permission before I do this. Okay, good. She said, go ahead. I'm gone. That's all I needed to hear. All right. I want to read this in the uh, first uh, verse number seven, I believe, uh, Matthew seven through verse six in First Corinthians. I'm going to read it in the New Living Translation. Now, regarding the questions you ask in your letter, yes, it is good to live a celibate life. Now, Paul was promoting total dedication to the Lord. But if you read that chapter in First Corinthians chapter seven, Paul said, not everybody has that gift. And I'm the first one. I don't have that gift. I got to be with somebody. I told my wife, when I first got married, I told her, I said, look, you know, I said, you know, I got this job with the police department. I said to her, 
Uh, the priest said, what are you going to do? You're going to wait? I No, no, no. I, I got it. I got to have her now. We're going to get married a couple weeks. Let's do this because I want her now. It's got good that men should be alone. Hallelujah. I know what that means. Hallelujah. I said, come on, baby. We got to go. He said, now, but Paul didn't have that gift. Paul was a kind of, Paul said, look, I can, I can withstand. I can hold back. And I say, bless you, Paul. God bless you. But because there is so much sexual immorality, each man should have his own what? Uh-huh. Or husband. And each woman shall have her own husband. Go ahead. The husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs, and the wife should fulfill her husband's sexual needs. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband. Oh, Lord. And the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. I mean, you just love the Bible. It talks, doesn't it? Do not. Everybody say, do not. See, men, we can use this one right here, brothers. Watch this. <laughs> Do not deprive each other of sexual relations unless he gives one reason to deprive your husband or your wife. You both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited, limited time. <laughs> so you can give yourself completely to prayer, and then afterwards you come you should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So I, I use myself for example. So honey, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna I'm not this is not an actuality, it's a hypothetical. So y'all just don't be just honey, you know, uh, I'm ready. I got a headache. How many of you have ever I got a headache? I just don't feel I got a headache. Now a lot of times that's cold for I just don't want to. Sometimes I'm sure they have a headache, but a lot of times I don't want to. And I'll say to my wife, honey, uh, unless you're doing some, I don't see no sackcloth and ashes. Uh, I don't see that you've been doing some serious fasting and praying unless you're doing that. The scriptures say. <laughs> the word of God says, do not deprive one another. Well, um, honey, uh, I thought I asked you like two weeks ago to paint that room. I ain't been done yet. I thought you're supposed to get that roof fixed. I ain't been done yet. When are you gonna get the oil changed on the car? Uh-huh. Don't touch me. Uh-huh. He ain't getting nothing. <laughs> I'm holding back. He's tapping. Nope, nope, not until. <laughs> then men, what you do? You break out the word. Do not. <laughs> How do you know do not means don't do it? Now, why would God? Now, here's, I, I know we're kind of joking around, but I want you to see something here in the scripture. He says, do not deprive, because this is what, listen to what he's saying. Do not deprive each other of sexual relation unless you both agree. So there got to be mutual agreement. There are times when my marriage, my wife, we say, we're not going to have any sex. We mutually agree. Now, th- those are not long periods. Let me tell you something. That's been a few times in our marriage, probably once or twice in 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> because, because, and here's what he said. He said, come together again quickly. The idea is quickly because Satan is going to come at you to try to tempt you and lure you. And we already live in a sex-charged society. And one of the things that happens is when we're fulfilling each other's needs, how many of you know that we're staying ahead of the curve? Because how many of the enemy is going to come? If, if, one, if the husband or the wife said, oh, I ain't doing it, I ain't doing it. Now, I'm not talking about if somebody's legitimately sick or have an issue. That's, that's a whole different thing. That's selfishness. You follow me? But, but when there is none of that there, he says, don't deprive each other except for when you got to fast and pray. And if both of you agree, after that, you, then, even then, you better hurry up and come back together. Because it's going to come at you. You're going to have these feelings that come up, and you've got to deal with it. And so I, I've known and I've heard and I've counseled some people that have said before, oh, you know, I, 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 I don't, I'm not interested. I don't want to have sex with my spouse. And that relationship struggles because the other person is struggling because they're having these feelings that they need to deal with, and it's not being taken care of. So God says that, that don't deprive each other of each, sexual, each other's sexual needs. The other interesting thing there says, 
that our bodies belong to our spouse. So that means my body don't belong to me. When I got married to my wife Peggy, she owns me. But here's the flip side. I own her. Hallelujah. There you go. See, we own each other. I don't belong to myself no more. When I say I'm gonna, when I say I do, honey, you know what? You're mine and I'm yours. I don't, I don't have control. Listen, I just can't do what I want to do. You own this. This is yours. That's why I try to take care of it because she owns it. It ain't mine. Every now and then she'll say, honey, I need you to tighten up some certain things. You know, don't y'all look at my gut. Yeah. And she said, then I said, oh, I got to do it. You know why? Because she owns it. It's hers. I want to make sure that she is happy. So I do what I got to do to keep her happy. When I'm working out, I, I, like, I lift weights on my shoulders. I want my shoulders to be nice for my wife because she likes my shoulders. That's just a practical thing. She likes that. So, honey, I want to take care of that because I want you to be happy. You see, it's all about giving up, giving of yourself. God wants us to have a great sex life. He wants us to, to enjoy sex. It's not a bad word. We got to talk about it in the church, but he just wants us to do it his way. And when we do it his way, we can expect the God kind of results. We can have great sexual relations with our spouses. Now, the challenge is to leave here and go out and promote that everywhere you go. Because tomorrow when I go to work, I, I work around, and you know how it is, you know, I work around people that don't think this way. Everything around me says, brother, you are abnormal. You are crazy. No second, you out of your mind? What are you talking about? This is the will of God, my sanctification. I don't know, but I'm, 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 I'm going I'm to keep this thing holy for God. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to improve the quality of my life. I want to live a long time. I want to be in good health. I want my whole body, mind, soul to be healthy. I don't want nothing contaminating it. I don't want to get involved in anything that's going to cause me to dishonor God or to shorten the purpose and the plan that he has for my life. So, enjoy yourselves. Be creative. The marriage bed is under foul. Have a good time. Hallelujah. Bless God while you're doing it. Say thank you, Jesus. Because he gave it to you as a gift. But he gave it to you as a gift within the context of marriage. Amen. Let's pray.